the inside of your bulletin. This is page four. The sermon text is Luke 20, one through eight. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes with the elders came up and said to him, tell us, by what authority do you do these things? Or who is it that gave you this authority? He answered them, I also will ask you a question. Now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? And they discussed it with one another saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why didn't you believe him? But if we say from man, all the people will stone us to death. For they are convinced that John was a prophet. So they answered that they did not know where it came from. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. The word of the Lord. Well, the countdown is on until January 20th, the election, uh, excuse me, the inauguration of one Donald Trump uh, to President of the United States. Go figure how that could have happened, and yet it is. Uh, Donald Trump is going to be sworn in as the President of the United States, but not without opposition. It appears that bikers for Trump are ascending upon Washington, and protesters against Trump are descending on Washington. It's going to be quite a brouhaha. Uh, all joking aside, we do need to pray for safety and for a smooth transition of power. Well, there is a group of people who are trying to lead a concerted effort of trying to figure out a legal way, quote-unquote, to stop this atrocity from happening. And so they're calling upon the 25th Amendment, which I'm sure you all have memorized. I think this is section 3, which says... Uh, whenever the vice president and a majority of either the principal officers of the executive department, who haven't even been sworn in yet, or some other body of Congress that uh, by law will provide, go to the president of the Senate and the speaker of the House saying that the president is unable to discharge the powers of duties of his office, the vice president, who has not even been sworn in yet, shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting president. So there's a group of people that are saying, even before this, you know, day one, let's go ahead and at least switch this thing over to Mike Pence. Now, of course, the key word in this whole uh, uh, paragraph here is the word unable, uh, which some would describe uh, rather change to unfit. Um, it's interesting, though, what does one consider unable? I think that the, the, the reason this was put in the Constitution was in the event that you know, a president is incapacitated uh, in terms of physically or he goes insane or something like that. Uh, but uh, to some, this man, Trump, is unable. Uh, and yet to other people on the other side of the line, he is extremely able. In fact, he's the person that they've been looking for and are finally glad who is in office. It really is a question of authority, isn't it? Some people want this man to be the authority over them, and some people do not. Society is built on the concept of authority. In order to have a society, you must have someone who is in charge. You must have some sort of structure. But increasingly, our society has become more and more antagonistic toward the idea of authority. I don't know if you've ever seen that bumper sticker on the back of someone's car that says, question authority. Now, of course, my first 
uh, question is who gave you the authority to question authority? Who are you as the authority to question authority? Or perhaps you've seen this bumper sticker, keep your laws off of my body. Well, does that include also the laws about rape or the laws of sexual assault? Where is the line in terms of authority? It's not as simple as to say, well, there, shall, there shouldn't be any authority over us. We saw how that went with the French Revolution. It's a question of right authority. There is something if we look uh, more myopically into ourselves, not just in society, but look into ourselves, that we ourselves have a problem with authority. We have a desire for it, and yet we're also repelled by it. Think of us as children with parents where we adored them at times and other times so uh, rebelled against them. We didn't want to have an authority. Why is it that we want authority and yet chafe against authority? I think the reason is because we are made in the imago Dei. We are made in the image of God. In other words, we need an exemplar to follow because we are the image of someone else. We are a derived being. And so in essence, we are looking for an authority or we are looking for an author in the authority to author our lives, to lead us, to show us we don't have all the answers. And yet there is a part of us that chafes against that because we also somehow, in a twisted way, believe that we can be the authority of our lives, that we can control them and manage them and need no one to do so. This passage is ultimately a dialogue between God and man. Man speaking to God, God's messenger, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and saying, who gave you the authority over us? And Jesus turning the tables and saying, who do you say that I am? Who am I really? See, Christianity, when it really boils down it boils down to one word, and that word is kingship. Who is the king? Who is the author of my life? We need to know the answer to that question. We need to know who the true king is, who the true author of our life is. There are multiple competing authorities, and so what I want to do is I want to talk about how we can definitively understand and trust in the right authority. Based on this passage, I believe that the true authority does three things. Number one, the true authority will bring truth. The true authority will allow you, equip you and enable you to see yourself and life as it really is. Number two, the true authority will bring peace because he is the author of life. And number three, the true authority will bring joy because he is the one that is the writer of your story. My plea for you and for me is to make the ultimate authority in your life the one who is the author of your life. It's then and only then that you will live a good story. Let's begin with the beginning. The true author is the one, the true authority is the one who brings truth. Verse one we see that one day Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel. And the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came up to him and asked this question. Tell us by what authority do you do these things? Who gave you this authority? 
Now keep in mind that Jesus is in the last week of his life. Okay, so one day is actually, we know what one day that was. Monday, the first day, or excuse me, the second day of the week is when Jesus cleansed the temple. So remember, Jesus has gone in to this massive enterprise and he is literally driven out in, an, in, a, in a wild and insane way. The corruption in the temple. And the very next day, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we know he's crucified on Friday. Where is Jesus? He's back in the temple. And he's preaching and he's teaching. Jesus has accomplished a coup d'etat of the temple. I mean, you would think... Keep in mind that the uh, Sadducees, the leaders, there is a temple guard. There are armed forces. Shouldn't they be kicking him out? Shouldn't they be stopping him? And yet here he is in full view teaching and preaching. He has taken possession, if you will, of the temple. And the chief priests and scribes are relegated to the sidelines. His power has been manifest. And so they're trying to figure out what do we do? How do we depose this person who has taken over the temple? And so they ask the question, who has given you the authority to do these things? Now they're astonished at what Jesus is doing and so are the people. Because there's a difference in authority between Jesus and the rabbis and the teachers. See, when the rabbis spoke, they spoke from authority. They would start talking and they would make a point and they would say it was Rabbi Shemel and Rabbi Hillel who said this and this and this. And Rabbi X said this and so on and so on and they would carefully document their exposition of scripture. Indeed, even rabbis would even wear specific hats that had names on them or symbols that indicated the rabbinical school of thought that they belonged to. It's kind of like Nike or something like that. I don't know, you know. They had a specific hat to indicate whose authority they were under. But Jesus taught in a different way. See, the rabbi's authority was secondhand. But Jesus spoke with authority. Indeed, the scriptures say they were astonished with his teaching because he taught as one that had authority and not as the scribes. Even in the Old Testament, the prophets would say, Thus saith the Lord. But Jesus would simply say, I say to you. Jesus didn't speak from authority. He spoke with authority. And Jesus' ministry on the earth was designed to assert his authority. Think of all the different areas of life in which Jesus asserted authority while he was ministering. He asserted authority over creation, didn't he? As he stood up in the raging sea of Galilee and he said, hush and be still. And the whole sea was quiet like glass. He showed authority over sin, didn't he? Remember the paralytic lowered from the roof? I say to you, let your sins, your sins are forgiven. And that you may know that the Son of Man has authority over sin, I say, take up your mat and walk. And he asserted his authority over religion. He told the Pharisees, you diligently study these words of the Bible, thinking that through them you can attain eternal life, but they testify about me, and you refuse to come to me. 
He asserted authority over the Sabbath, saying that the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And now he asserts authority over the temple by driving out corruption and replacing himself with the truth. Now why do they ask this question? Who gave you the authority? See, the truth is Jesus has already answered it multiple times. Jesus from the beginning has said, I have been sent by my Father. He has sent me. I am in his stead to communicate these things. They've heard him say that. No, the reason they want to try to hear him say it here is they are trying to trap him. They're trying to accuse him of the crime of blasphemy. They don't really want to know the answer to this question. Who is your authority, Jesus? Because they've already determined that it's not God. They want to trap him. But Jesus responds, not with an answer, but with a question. I also will ask you a question. John's baptism, was it from heaven or from man? Now when he says John's baptism, he's talking about John's ministry. Remember, what is John's purpose? I am the voice calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. He is the one who is to prepare people for the coming of the king. And so they're flummoxed. They don't know how to answer this question. Jesus turns it back on them. He's not playing their game. And so they kind of have this huddle over here and they say, if we say that it, it was from God, Jesus is going to say, why didn't you believe him? Because John the Baptist clearly said, this is the Lamb of God. But if we say it's from man, the people are going to stone us. Now what's missing from their deliberations as they huddle together? What's missing is them honestly looking at the question. They don't say, well, what, what do you think? Do you think it's from man or God? Do you? No, they're thinking about expediency. They're not thinking about truth because they can't see the truth. And the reason they can't see the truth is because they've rejected authority. See, when you reject authority, when you reject the right author, you become blind. You can't see. I mean, think about it. These people, the chief priests and scribes, they should have known that this was the Christ. This should have been their finest hour, shouldn't it? I mean, think about Simeon and think about Mary and think about Joseph and think about all of them when it was their part and their time in the story to play and they recognized the authority and they saw truth. If anyone should see it, it's these guys who have been raised breathing and eating the scriptures. This should have been their finest hour. But because they did not, they chose to willfully reject the authority that was before them, they were blind. And they go down in history. They go down in the annals of heaven as those to be pitied. It's the same thing with the world, isn't it? The world speaks about Jesus and they say, who gave you authority to speak truth over me? And so the world demeans him or denounces him or at the very least demotes him to a nice teacher or something like that, a very inoffensive person. 
But they refuse to examine the evidence. The evidence of this one life and what is done to change the world. Can anyone say that anyone has elevated the dignity of the human person higher than that of Jesus Christ? What was the foundation of ending slavery? What was the elevation of rights to woman, women? Who provided equality of life? It's all the words of Jesus Christ. Go to a place where the Bible has not the foundation of society and I'll show you what you will see. You will see racism. You will see brutality on a scale far beyond what we see in this country. It was his system of ethics to love your neighbor as yourself, to love your enemies. It was his life reverberating upon millions of lives who changed them in such a way that they lived righteously. If you go and you look at the foundation of the hospitals and orphanages and humanitarian efforts around the world, by a vast majority, it is because of someone who is motivated by the love of Christ. Myself and my wife knowing, if you go and look at the people who adopt special needs children around the world, the vast majority of them are Bible-believing Christians. Jesus Christ, and what about the resurrection? But the world doesn't see that, much like the scribes didn't see, because they've rejected his authority. It's the true author that brings sight and vision. Any other authority brings blindness. I don't know if you know the stories of two famous revolutionary uh, uh, war people. One was Paul Revere. The other was Benedict Arnold. Okay, both were well known in society. Benedict Arnold was actually a brilliant soldier. Many offensive and defensive victories. Paul Revere, not so much. In fact, the Battle of Penobscot, the last one, was a disaster. But what are these two men known for? Benedict Arnold is known for the fact that when he was appointed a command of the fortifications of West Point, he made secret plans to hand them over to the British. He was upset about being passed over for promotions and some of the directions that the leadership were taking. And so ultimately he turned turncoat and became a brigadier general in the British Army. But Paul Revere, the silversmith, though not a great soldier, set up a system to organize British troop movements. And it was him who, on that famous night, Listen, my children, and you will hear the famous ride of Paul Revere who warned the people that the British were coming and they were able to achieve a victory. They both had a part to play. Benedict Arnold thought it was just his story. Paul Revere knew he was part of a larger story. And so Jesus asks us the question, who do you say that I am? Jesus is asking us, do you recognize that there is a bigger story and that there is an author of that story? 
Or are you trying to be the author of your own story? I pick up my book and I start writing. This is what I want to do. I want to be famous. I want to be wealthy. I want to be beautiful. I want to bring my life into existence. There's nothing wrong with trying to better one's life. I'm not arguing against that. But the reality is we give ourselves to authorities that have no author powers at all. We don't have the power to change one hour of our life, to add one inch to it. Who knows what the day will hold? Jesus Christ is the author. He said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. And then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. What Jesus is looking for is obedience and surrender. A recognition that the true author has come. And when I put him in his proper place as the author of my life, then the pen will begin to flow freely and I'll begin to see the bigger picture. The true authority brings truth. The scribes didn't get it. Do you? Well, the true authority also brings peace, doesn't he? The scribes, they huddle and they sort of make these deliberations. I mean, why did they kick the guy out? They've got the swords, they've got the people, they've got the power. Well, it shows why they didn't kick him out. Because they say, if we say from man, all the people will stone us to death. For they're convinced that John was a prophet. Here's the reason for their paralysis. They're afraid. See, where does their authority come from? Should come from God, right? They're the scribes. They're the people who have been appointed by God's law. But deep in their heart of hearts, they know that they're not walking in the authority of God. And so their authority is derived from the people recognizing their authority. Which means they're not really in charge at all, aren't they? Are they? The people are in charge. And Jesus has unmasked them. See, there's a, a chain of command in all authority, isn't there? Someone has to be over someone else. And someone has to be over someone else. Well, let's say that you're a colonel. And then a general walks into the room. Who's in charge? The general. Because superior authority supersedes lower authority. And the highest authority of all has walked into the room and unmasked them. They're afraid. But Jesus never fears. You might say to me, no, no, that's not true. Remember in Gethsemane when he's sweating? No, no, read the scripture. Jesus says to them, stay here with me. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. It's sadness. It's not fear. And why is Jesus not afraid? Because he's the ultimate authority. Sent by the ultimate authority, his father. You never need to fear if you are under the chain of command 
and the top says you're doing what is right. Christ is in charge. And so the authority that you choose to follow, whoever it is, even yourself, do they fear or are they fearless? See, the truth is we follow weak authorities, don't we? Well, my authority is government. I would never say that, but the political system, now that we got the right guy in power, everything's going to be okay. Are you kidding me? We don't even know if he's going to make it to Saturday. My authority is money. I have a lot of money in my bank. That gives me good authority and power. Guess what? I, I don't know if you know this, but we're not on the gold standard anymore. It really is just a piece of paper. Okay? Okay, there's no authority in it. Well, my authority is my girlfriend or my boyfriend or my friends. They fear just like everyone else. They fear that they're not in the in crowd. Can you pass the test of fearlessness? Can your authority? The reality is we are fragile. And the older you get, when people who are your age start dying all around you, you realize that I'm not indestructible. But God has meant us to live without fear. But many of us live in constant fear and anxiety because we aren't living under the right author. See, the right author is the one who's already written the book. He's already written the story. He knows how it ends. It's under his pen that kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. That people are brought up and people are brought low. The question is, will we come under his authority? When we have confidence that the one who we have put ourselves under is in complete control, guess what? We can live without fear. You know, if you've read the book Inkheart by uh, Cornelia Funk, by the way, I love the name Cornelia Funk. I just wanted to say it, okay? In the book Inkheart, there's a bookbinder named Mortimer. And when Mortimer opens a book and reads the story, the characters come to life. Well, God is so much better than Mortimer because God is the one who writes the story and it comes to life. Thus says the Lord, I am the first and the last. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? Are you not my witnesses? Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. I am the Lord. I heal and I put to death. And there is none who can deliver from my hand. He is the author. Is your God too small? The true author brings assurance and confidence. And so do you have it for the future that the story's already been written? I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. The one thing that gives me confidence 
in the death of our oldest son, people say, oh, what a tragedy that this man would do this. I want to say to them, do you really think that some two-bit criminal could take out the beautiful life of my son just because he wanted to? Apart from the sovereign will of God who's proclaimed his love for my son, do you really think that's possible? There's a greater story. Well, it ended in tragedy. The story's not over yet. You've got to wait until the last page to see the truth. So do you have confidence in the future? Can you reconcile the past and that God is in that story too, your fears and your failures and your foibles in the present and all of the things that you can't explain? Who is it that you will trust in to deliver you? The true author gives you confidence to live. And so live by his ways. Show that he is your authority by meditating on his word day and night. Living and walking in his story. Pray to him, not to the world, for he is your power. For the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous is as bold as a lion. When you make the ultimate authority in your life, the one who is the author of your life, it's there where you'll live a good story. Brings me to my final point. The true authority is the one who brings joy. Think a little bit about this. It's like a calm before the storm. On Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, on the last day, the last week of Jesus' life, he's going into the temple and there's, he's unheeded, uh, uh, unheeded is the right word, he's preaching the gospel and there's no one in between him and the people. Notice, it doesn't often say this by the way, that he's teaching the people and he's preaching the gospel. I could translate that in English that he's announcing the good news and the people are just lapping it up. See, there's a reason that the scribes are scared to death because these people are hearing the very words of God, the truth of God in such a way that they're willing to overthrow the authority in their life. Okay, it was ironclad. You never talk back to the priests. You never talk back to the scribes. You do whatever it is that they say. They're the ultimate authority. No, they've come under God. And they've heard God's good news to them. I have the plans. I have a plan for you. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. I am the rock. I reached down into the miry pit and I lifted you up. I'll put a new song in your mouth, a hymn of praise to God. This is why I made you. It's like a, a book signing or something like that. The author has come to sign his works. See, there's only two reasons people change in the end. It's desire and disgust. I don't know about all those people, but I'm sure some of them as they heard the author of life preach the gospel to them, it changed their life. And they said, I'm going to follow this one. He has the very words of life. To where else will I go? 
We're all characters in a greater story. So how will your story end? As a kid, I always wanted to be Luke Skywalker. Right? I wanted to live a good story. At the end, I'm the guy that hits the torpedo. I don't even need the little thing, right? Use the force. I go in the end and everybody's standing and I get the medal from the pretty girl and Chewbacca's over there. It's, it's wonderful, right? You know, my kid, it's kind of strange. Daniel, he actually wanted a Darth Vader party. I, I, I don't, you know, we're still working on the therapy of those, that issue, right? Wouldn't it be tragic if you get to the very end of your story? And this is going to happen for some people. They think they've written it and they get to the last page and you know what it says? Despair and destruction. Because they refuse to recognize the authority. But for you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to get to the very end of your story. And you know the word that's going to be on it? It's glory. We can have joy in this world because the author has come and he's signed his work. I'm going to write out your story. Trust me. The true authority brings peace. The true authority brings truth. And the true authority brings joy. So make it your life's work to make the ultimate authority in your life the one who authored it. Because it's then and only then, my friends, that you can and you will live a good story. That is the destiny for those who love him. Let's pray. Jesus, you unmasked these scribes with their fake authority and you unmasked the world they do not listen, but the truth will be told. Lord, help us to hear your words and to throw off all of these other authorities that seek to claim ownership of us. Most of all, Lord, help us to stop trying to write our own story and to look for yours. You are our author, and we want to live a good story, and you promise that we will. So help us to follow your will, your words, and your ways. I pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.